This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Cross a stamp goes down the right wing, cross the line right circle, stamp goes open, shoots, score! Stamp goes! <laughs> and it's 2 nothing Lightning! Look at the players going crazy for Steven. That is unbelievable. Yeah, it never gets old. The laugh, the call, the moment. Hopefully we have a few of the more of those moments tonight for game four Tampa Bay up two games to one some interesting stats when it comes to teams that are up and unfortunately for the lightning they're on, they're on one of the, the bad ends of of this statistic that I'm about to give you but I think it, at least for the most part it gives you a pretty good picture of what to expect here on power lunch on lightning power play I am Greg Linelli along with Dave Michigan Steve Versnick is producing we've got a hall of famer coming up in our next segment dave anderchuk and that'll be a lot of fun to talk about this series and trying to win these last two games which will be the hardest the tampa bay uh, have to accomplish here moving forward getting these wins against the stars and um of course always taking your questions and feedback at bolts radio dave how we doing i've got to ask you too you know i, I always Wonder, you know, the players get excited. They get anxious for games like this. I mean, I've got to think as broadcasters, you know, there's a little more pep in our step, isn't there, when you're in the Stanley Cup final and, you know, you're two games away from uh, raising the whole thing. Yeah, it's an exciting time of the season. I shouldn't say of the year because normally at this time of the year we're getting ready for for preseason and training camp, which is also exciting because you're coming back after a layoff for the offseason. I have always felt this way. I I am probably like a lot of Lightning fans. And, you know, Stamkos even said the same thing in a way that it was almost easier on his nerves to be in the game rather than sitting and watching that you get nervous, right? Yeah. And what I've always found, I remember this really vividly in 04, that leading up to the game, I was very nervous. But once the game started and I was concentrating on – calling the game I did not feel those nerves then intermission came and I remember in 04 we actually had Rick and Chief do the intermission because of course they were not calling the game on television in the final in 04 and I remember feeling nervous during the intermission (laughs) and then the period would start again and, (laughs) and it would go away which is to say that when your mind is focused on doing something productive constructive whatever you want to call it your your mind tends not to to focus on things that would make you nervous things that you can't control i guess but isn't that it's definitely it's a good kind of nervous right like you'd rather you'd rather be nervous about the the fate of your team deep in a playoff year rather than having no dog in the hunt it's a good point and i think it's just kind of big picture life in general but um, it is it is fun to be part of this, no doubt. Uh, Dan Rosen, I think, listens to the show. Why wouldn't he? His article today in NHL.com, the subtitle, Top Players Know They Need to Be Better to Even the Series Against the Lightning. It, you know what's interesting, Dave? When you take a look at stats, it, you know, you have an opinion of something, and sometimes the stats bear it out, but sometimes the stats really do go beyond your opinion 
on a particular take. And you've heard our opinion on this show, obviously, and, and my strong opinions of this is coming down to the best players from Tampa Bay outperforming the Stars' best players. But the, the way it's illustrated, it's, it's fascinating. Sagan and Ben have no points. And then you talk about Radulov has at least three. But that's it. And that hits you because somewhere along the line, if you didn't look at the stats, you'd say, all right, well, maybe Sagan's got a couple of secondary assists. Maybe Ben's got a, you know, a goal that happened maybe in game one. But then you kind of really dig through the numbers and you're like, those top three players, and you brought up a good point yesterday about how they're not always playing on the same line. But for the most part, if you're, if you're talking about their three most explosive offensive players up front, they've got to combine three points and they're all assists. And I think that really does speak to how lopsided this has been when we talk about Tampa Bay's best players and Dallas's best players. But sometimes for me, Dave, I don't, I don't know about you, I actually have to like see how bad it is when you're trying to make a point and it's critiquing maybe a certain player or another team. You have an opinion of something and then you look at the stats and you're like, boy, that's, that's a lot worse than I anticipated. And that's how I felt reading that. I have a couple of thoughts on that. I think that's going to be the main storyline until something changes. And if it changes, then that'll be the storyline, right? For ben sure. and Sagan, big game, whatever. and Give a they, big middle finger to Greg Linnelli. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly if they have, they have a good offensive night and the Stars win. Right. I will say this, though. I do think that Ben and Sagan have had some looks. So we often hear players say when they're not producing, as long as I'm getting the chances, eventually they're going to go in. And I think, in, in fairness, they have had some chances. But what we talked about yesterday, Greg, was that line or those players are not getting as many chances as pick your player in the lightning point, Kucherov, Palat, whomever, yeah. Edmund, they're getting more chances, and they're forcing Hudobin to make more key saves or they're shooting the puck wide or whatever. But you're going to increase your likelihood of producing if you can generate a fair number of scoring chances for yourself and for your line mates. So it's not like they've been completely quiet, Sagan and Ben. I remember in game two, Ben had maybe the two best chances the Stars got in the third period after they had made it 3-2 to tie it. Vasilevsky stopped one on the sixth attacker situation. The other, Ben, put it over the crossbar. But it's not like he got three, four other looks in that period, and maybe that's the difference. So is Jamie Ben capable of scoring on one of those two looks that he got? Yes. But his odds of scoring would have gone up had he added to that total, right? Had he had five sure. or six chances. The other thing I'll say is this. I think sometimes media narratives get, get really narrow and focused. And it's like, if Ben and Sagan and Radulov score, good for stars, stars win. <laughs> if Ben, Sagan, and Radulov don't score, bad for stars, stars lose. Dave, you sound like a cave you sound like a caveman. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm trying to talk about the narrow thinking here. I'm going to expand that a little bit and say that can the Stars win a game without those guys producing points? Sure they can. They can win a game 
we've talked about how active their defense is. They won game one getting a lot of production from their defense. I mean, the first two goals were scored by defensemen. So there's more than one way to skin a cat. Do I think it would be helpful for the Stars if those guys started lighting up the the score sheet? Of course, absolutely. But is it also possible that Ben and Sagan could combine for four or five points and the Lightning could win a game 4-3? Yeah, <laughs> it's possible. It's also possible that they could get another goose egg tonight and the Stars could win the game 2-1. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, it's about winning the game, right? I think Rick Bonus would say, I will take a win if it means that Sagan and Ben don't score rather than them scoring and us losing. So that's kind of my feeling on it. I think it's important, but I don't think it's it's the be-all, end-all. There's a lot more that goes into winning and losing a game. And we've seen the Lightning win games this playoff year when their top guys have not produced. Now, they've produced a lot, and they've produced a lot in terms of they've produced a lot and they have produced frequently yeah. as well. But there have been games where the Lightning sure. have to rely on other guys, whether it's Yanni Gord's line or a defenseman making a, a key player scoring a big goal. Yeah. So, again, I, I think that it is a a relevant storyline, but I don't think it's the be-all. Well, and I'll, I'll, let me add My a inner caveman disagrees. Yes, let me, <laughs> let me add a layer to that. And while on the surface I think you are right – I think the reason why I'm putting so much emphasis on the Stars Plus players, because you had mentioned not producing, you had mentioned, can they win games 2-1, 3-2? They did it in game one. Sure. Can they win this series if those guys aren't performing? No. And here's the reason. I don't think their role players are as good as Tampa Bay's. You mentioned Tampa Bay when we have guys like Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, Anthony Sorelli. I think that's probably maybe we need to highlight this a bit more. All right. So if the Stars cancel them out, whose players do you like a little bit more? I think Tampa Bay's just more deep. And I think if you take away those three players from the Stars, you know, Blake Homo's not as good as Tyler Johnson or Alex Kalorn or whoever whoever you want to say is their next best player. I know Pavelski's played well, um, and I actually yeah, think he he's, given, he's given them a, a really much-needed boost. I mean, think about it. If they didn't have his production right now, they're getting it from the back end, but so is Tampa Bay. And I think that's probably the bigger issue is that, yes, Rick Bonus can talk all he wants about, look, if that means we win 5-4 and those three players don't score, I'll take that every single time. Yes, Rick, probably for one game you can do that. I don't think you can win a series that way. I and think just to they, be clear, yeah. Bones didn't say that. No, he did. <laughs> I'm he did. projecting that that's, you are. he would take that, though. He would take a he would, win. And every coach would. Every yeah. coach would. But I, I think when you get to this point, uh, your stars at some point are going to have to make a statement, and it could come tonight. And if it does, we will give them credit. And if it doesn't, I will continue to critique it. Dave Mishkin and Greg Linnelli with you here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. I also want to throw the stat because, Dave, it's something you said to, I think it was yesterday after the show. It probably speaks to where this Tampa Bay Lightning team is and that the NHL, they always release their Monday morning, or not Monday morning, morning skate notes. And yes. Some of them have some interesting reads, and I know you looked at them. I don't want to get into the back-to-back scenario. We, we kind of talked about that the other day it's very By the way, rare I, I wanted to ask you because they had in there the last time the Stanley Cup final had a back-to-back yeah was the 0-9 final which the Penguins Pittsburgh. were in do you yeah. remember that they lost the first two games they ended up winning the series but yeah I do interesting games one and two were a back-to-back I, I do because I remember they just had a hard time scoring I mean you want to talk about a team that smothered you um and the year before I mean the first two games I don't think that's I don't think the the Penguins scored. I think they were both shutouts. 
And then, so the narrative again was, you know, all right, game two, game one and two, is this going to be the same thing that happened before? And uh, it got chippy, uh, as you would Im- imagine. But um, I do remember, I just, I remember that the Penguins really struggling to score. The first two games of both of those Stanley Cup final series. Of course, one they won, one they lost, and uh, it was pretty interesting. But the other note, Dave, that I found pretty interesting, it says the team teams that hold a 2-1 series lead in a best-of-seven Stanley Cup final since 1939 own an all-time series record of 42-11. and 11. That's a 793 win percentage. This is where it gets interesting. And, of course, Lightning fans are probably more um, sensitive to this. Three of the last five winners held a 2-1 series lead in the final. Pitt in 2016 and 17, Washington in 2018, Chicago and St. Louis rallied to claim yeah. the championships after dropping two of the first three, respectively. But I know this is a different Lightning team, and if you believe previous failures can lead to greater successes in life, then I think you feel pretty confident that the Lightning have learned from those uh, experiences, particularly during the that Stanley Cup run where they lost the Blackhawks. But I, I know you spoke to that, and I think it it hit home a little bit for me again today that, yeah, that was a little bit ago, and this is a different Lightning team. Yeah, I did speak about that at the end of yesterday's show because I think that the Lightning have given themselves an opportunity here tonight. I mean, clearly they have an opportunity. They have an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup based on their playoff year, and they're one of two teams still standing. So clearly they have an opportunity. But based on their their play in games two and three, they are now up 2-1 in the series. And the opportunity before them tonight is to push Dallas to the brink and force the Stars to win three in a row, which is a huge difference, huge difference between a 2-2 series that turns yes. into a best of three. It's enormous. And the Lightning were in the exact same spot as far as the series. And in fact, it, it unfolded the same way in terms of who won which game in 2015. The Hawks won game one. The Lightning won games two and three. Now, we were playing those games in actual arenas with fans in the stands switching cities. So the Lightning ended up winning game three in Chicago. And they couldn't get the job done in game four, despite playing actually one of their better games in the series. That was what maybe made it particularly tough was that they actually played well enough to win. But to me, that was the Corey Crawford game. The Hawks deed up really well in games five and six. The Lightning only scored one goal in each of those games. And Crawford was was good. Like he was completely dialed in and solid and and stopped all the shots that he needed to stop. Game four was the game that, if you want to go so far as to say he stole it, let's just put it this way. I remember seeing the headline in one of the Chicago papers the next morning because the team was flying back to Tampa the next mm-hmm. day, and the headline was something along the effects of, you know, white knuckler for the Hawks, they survive. Like, that was the feeling from the Chicago side was they kind of got away with one in game four and they got the series to two, two, which is to say that you have this opportunity again. And I think the lightning have to go into this game and try and not only go through that door, kick it wide open. Like they need to absolutely do everything they can to take advantage of this situation that they have earned And look, if they lose tonight, does it mean they're going to lose the series? No, it just means that now 
it's a best of three, but the pendulum swing will be pretty significant between a lightning win and a stars win tonight. You know, and it's interesting with the back-to-back. So this is where the back-to-back really plays into this series because if the Lightning win, you know Dallas, the mindset is we've got to empty the tank, and we've got to do that for three straight games. We've got to get three straight wins. But to come back in a back-to-back that first time that Tampa Bay has a chance to eliminate you, you do wonder if it takes them a little bit to get going or, Dave, if fatigue becomes a big problem. For Dallas because there's been a lot of hockey that's been playing in a short amount of time. Now, conversely, if Tampa Bay loses, it's 2-2, and both teams are dealing with an even series, and now the second game of a back-to-back, and you wonder how that all plays out. You can make a, a strong case whoever wins that game goes on to win because of the mental and physical fatigue that might be happening, but I'm really curious. Hopefully, the Lightning get a win tonight. But that dynamic of whoever loses is going to have some challenges in the next game on Saturday. Dallas, in this moment, trying to stave off elimination, but you know they're going to be dealing with fatigue as well. And then the Lightning, I think, having to reset their mind a bit, knowing that you know we were in control of the series, and now it's 2-2 in a back-to-back. And just like that, you could be down yeah. 3-2. And it's, yep. it's, a, it's such a, you know, we talk about mental or physical fatigue, Dave. This is one of those two where it can drive you crazy mentally. And the dynamic of now being so close to the finish line. Yes. What effect will that have? Like, what we have said pretty consistently throughout this playoff year is the team that is facing more dire straits in a series, and I'm not even talking about necessarily facing elimination, although that would qualify. But if you're down in a series and you need a response, your urgency level tends to go up. And we've seen that not only in the series the Lightning have played, but in other series as well. So if, if that's the case, you would expect the Stars to, to, to have a very spirited game tonight. And that's my expectation. And I think the Lightning should be ready for that. But not only tonight, but moving forward in the series, as – as the the urgency situation may shift a little bit, whether it's 2-2 and now the Lightning are saying, man, we were up 2-1 in the series, now it's 2-2, we got to push back on Saturday. Or if it's 3-1, the Stars are saying, we absolutely have to empty the tank, like you said. The fact that you're so close to the finish line would make you think, yeah, they know that this is going to end soon, so they're going to have no problem summoning the urgency necessary, the desperation level necessary to elevate, right? But on the other hand, now you've been at this for two months plus, and the wear and tear physically and mentally of doing this could have the opposite effect. And we're not going to know until we we actually see it, and I think we'll, we'll find out tonight at least one part of that equation with how do the stars come out? Mm-hmm. Are the Stars going to come out firing? And I don't mean firing shots, although that's part of it, but firing on all cylinders in terms of their urgency level. And I don't have the answer, Greg, but I think we may learn something not only tonight from Dallas in terms of the Stars' pushback, yes. but also, depending on who wins tonight, what will happen on Saturday. Will the Lightning have pushback if they find themselves in a 2-2 series? 
or will the Stars down 3-1 on Saturday play as you would expect a team facing elimination to play? And it is possible that this long grind of bubble life and this tournament in a bubble may start to have an effect on either team, even though we know that it's ending next week at, at the latest, one way or another. I was hoping you would do that breakdown in your caveman voice. <laughs> and maybe Series end <laughs> Wednesday at when latest. You, when you do me a favor, when you have Phil on, I want you to talk to him and say, Well, and I wasn't who implying do you anything. Think? <laughs> <laughs> but I know you have talked about the star stars. And I didn't mean to imply that you were making it that's okay. that simple no, that's right. linear line. But Listen, I think my that wife that does is, that always. You know, like you get you find that one person says and you're maybe you're right. Like you brought it up and now everyone's talking about you're it. You're damn I right I brought like it up. That is that is the story. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's part of the story. Right. But that's not the whole story, right? Of course. And not. You know me. I, I find five different routes to, to get to the same point. And you, and I don't as, like as, only one route. I like five routes. Well, that, and that's, you know what? That's what's been the fun part of this dynamic, you and I doing the show together. Because you know I like to take the, this view, and you throw it out there to the audience, and you see if they agree or not. And, of course, there are other layers to this, or as you said, more ways to skin a cat. By the way, where does that analogy come from? Have you ever skinned a cat? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> And I would. I, I mean, would of all that, things. I know. I would hope that if if somebody was actually skinning a cat, they didn't have like six different ways of doing it. No, but. please don't do it. It's a it's it's a fun. I'll find another. Style. I'll find yes. another analogy. But I may, when I kick it to you guys on the pregame, I may go caveman <laughs> and say, "Foo, good to be with you. What are your keys today?" And you know, it's say, all these Geico ads over the years, right? <laughs> That's right. That'd be a lot of fun. All right. Well, we'll get serious with Dave Andrzejczyk, the captain and Hall of Famer. He's been in these situations a number of times, and we'll talk to him about you know getting those next two wins and that dynamic of playing back-to-back games. Does that change anything? John Cooper said it really doesn't. You've got to win Friday before you can think about Saturday, and that makes a lot of sense. But he's not doing a talk show either, so we have to uh, come up with creative ways to be fun and uh, make you think a little bit. Steve Erstick is producing. We'll take a break. We'll come back with the captain right here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. An hour of hockey talk to get you through social distancing. This is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. It's always fun to talk hockey on a game night, especially in the Stanley Cup Finals. Tampa Bay up two games to one. Puck drops a little after eight. Pre-game at 7.30. Dave Mishkin, my partner, will be calling that game. And it's always fun to have on a Hall of Famer and a guy who's won a cup. That would be Dave Andrzejczyk. Andy, great to be with you. And, you know, I'm always curious. I I think it's probably magnified in the bubble situation, but the game itself might be easier for a player to experience outside of the waiting. And I'm wondering, is this the hardest part uh, as a guy who played in these moments? Or is, is the game... Is the game harder and the waiting is just uh, causes you a little anxiety? Well, remember, it's 6 o'clock out there, too, right, for their starts. I think that, that helps, yes, because the waiting is you want to get back playing right away, right? So, But, again, I think, um, you know, they were in the situation, those that were there in 2015, we were up against Chicago 2-1. So, uh, and also, you know, in 04. 
um, we were we lost in Calgary, you know, in game three. So we were down 2-1 and ended up winning. So I think those are the thoughts. And I, I know you don't want to put negative thoughts on players, but I think you just got to keep it in perspective of where they're at. I think that this veteran team is okay with, you know, they, they've probably been down this road, a bunch of them before, and know that, you know, we're, we're only halfway to winning. And, you know, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves is what I'm saying and keep it in perspective. I still I, – I know that when – I'll always go back to 04 in that run is that, you know, John Tortorella harped on us how we needed to respect the opponent and respect how good they can be because if we, you know, let the, our foot off the pedal a little bit, they can come back. And I think feel that that's the way – that John Cooper has to approach this. Dallas is a very good team. They're here for a reason. And, yes, we're up 2-1, but that doesn't mean that they're going to roll over and die, right? Like they're not, they're just not going to put their sticks on the ice and it's going to be easy for us. It's going to be even harder. We've talked about how so many players in this Lightning team understand, having gone through playoff runs before, how hard it is to get to this point whether they were on the team in 15 and then subsequent seasons or even guys like Shattenkirk and Goodrow who have been through deep playoff runs with other teams. How can that be helpful? Like if you understand that you appreciate the moment and you're not thinking like you hear from a lot of first and second year guys who go in, it's like, wow, this is something, we'll just do it every year. They have a different perspective. How can that be helpful in terms of navigating through this moment? Yeah, 100%, Dave, you're right. I think that this team has been here before. This is a veteran group that understands that how hard it is to get here for, you know, they understand that. And to seize this opportunity, it might not come around again. You're up 2-1 in the Stanley Cup Finals. You need to, you know, understand where you're at. So I think playoff experience has played a key role in a lot of the way that this team has played throughout the whole playoffs, whether it's you know, the patience that they've shown against Columbus, um, being able to rebound against a bad game one against, um, you know, Boston, um, you know, again, to stick with their game plan against the Islanders, who are a good defensive team. All those things are what they've learned in the past. And this is another example of how they need to stay in the moment, uh, not look too far ahead and, um, I think being in the bubble is going to help that, really. I do. I think, you know, you think about um, a regular, you know, if we if we don't have COVID, you know, there's the excitement in the city and, you know, everywhere you go and I, it, it makes you think ahead, right? Uh, I think in the bubble you can contain that a little bit more. You know, Andy, I'm curious. It's easy for us to sit here and say, and we've talked about this for the last few days. I'm sure some people were getting you know, annoyed with us talking about, at least me, that, yeah. you know, Tampa Bay's best players are, are better right now than the Stars. I don't, I, but I, I think that's a huge point to this series. I'm curious as to know, as to know why, though. When you take a look, not to, to get too much into the weeds, X's and O's, but why is that first line having so much success mm-hmm. putting the puck in the net or just creating chances? Is it how they're supporting the puck? Is it how they're coming into... Dallas's zone with speed. Well, what are you seeing structurally that's making them so effective in this series? Well, I think it's their determination, the, the three of them, right? Like, I think that that's their, their effort that they show is it, where it all starts. Um, you know, let's face it, that we've seen them get runned at 
a little bit, which every top player gets run at. If you're not, you're not a top player, right? Like, so you get, take that as a compliment, I believe, is that, hey, they want to get you off your game, which Cooch has shown good mental, you know, toughness. I think, you know, Braden Point understands that he's going to have a target on his back. That's all well and done. Um, you know, we've seen them work very well, and even in the regular season together and how they understand where everybody is. Uh, <laughs> Braden Point watches more video on the iPad than anybody else. Uh, after every shift, it seems like, what can we do better? Where were you at in that, in the, on that ice? So, um, and that, that's infectious. Uh, when your top players um, are starting to play well, it kind of flows throughout your whole lineup, right? Like, let's face it. You know, we were all inspired by Marty St. Louis and his effort and what he did. Uh, it made us all better. And I think that that's what's going on with the Lightning right now is these guys are at the top of their game and, and, and you know, they're, they're, they're carrying everybody along. I wanted to ask you about the power play, Andy. Mm -hmm. So it's been streaky in the playoffs. And it almost seems like when the Lightning have gotten their power play going, it's because they made an adjustment heading into a game and the other team has not reacted to it well and they've yep. popped in some goals, whether it's moving Kucherov to the left side or putting Hedman and Sergachev in the same unit. They switched it again for game two and they scored two terrific goals well executed on the power play. Mm -hmm. They scored in game three, but it, it was not it was not as, as pretty a power play yep. <laughs> throughout game three. And the goal they scored was the result of a puck battle behind the net that they, they won and, and the puck came out to Hedman and he shot it in. Do you think that in a playoff series where the other team is going to be making adjustments, the Lightning have to keep that power play look fresh and make some adjustments or kind of stick with it, stick with the unit that, that brought them success in game two and just try and execute through whatever the stars are going to try to do to them? I think you got to keep the same guys on the ice, Dave. I think, I think that that's, you know, I don't know if you need to make major changes. I think you need to run through your options, but. So whether it is finding Braden Point in the slot or it's a Kucherov one-timer or it's a headman down, you know, um, the middle of the ice a shot, you know, or it's, you know, Palat trying to find, you know, Kalorn in front. There are multiple options that they can use. All teams are going to watch video and they're going to try to shut down. And personally, I just don't think you want Kuch to have the puck, right? That would be first and foremost if I was killing against us. I want to deny him the puck or pressure him as much as I can. So what does that open up? Um, you know, again, I, I love the fact when you can throw either a Victor Hedman shot down the middle or you can get Braden Point to try to find some open space in the middle of the box. Those are the two plays that I think can change the way the Dallas Stars are now going to defend against us and might open up Cooch to make a great seam pass or, or you know, or make a great play. And then... Um, so, you know, the power play has not been a real factor for us. I think it's been a momentum, you know, gainer uh, in these playoffs. But it hasn't been, like, the driving force. It's the five-on-five -five play that's been exceptional for us. Dave Andrzejczyk joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Andy, we know the f playoffs are extremely physical. We also know this schedule is demanding, and you can make a case that Dallas needs to be more physical to be successful than Tampa Bay because of maybe the talent isn't just uh, where it needs to be comparing it to the Lightning. 
Does that eventually wear down a team when you get this far? I mean, are our expectations that Dallas will continue to lay the thump in game four, in game five, in game six, if it goes that far like they did in game one? Or is that unreasonable to expect? Well, in the finals, I think you're a lot of adrenaline, right? They're all hurting. They're all, you know, they've played a lot of hockey. We see, we know that's going to be, you know, it's going to be three and four nights to maybe close out this series, right? So it's going to be difficult for everybody, and everybody's hurting. You know, I, I agree with you. I think the Dallas Stars have to continue to try to, um, you know, lay some punishment on, on our, whether it's our top players or not. That's the way they play, right? Like, they're a, they're a good forechecking team. They got speed. But similar to us, too. Like, you know, how are we containing Klinberg and Heskinen, right? Well, we're playing in their end. Um, we are pounding them when we get a chance. And I think that both teams, that's kind of the philosophy they have. So a lot of the injuries that you have right now, you know, it's, you, you, you just you know you're going to have to fight through them. And it's the Stanley Cup Finals. This is the way it is. This is what hockey's all about. So back-to-back uh, -back nights, it's going to be difficult for everybody. Um, I think we managed our ice time. Uh, we we're fortunate enough to be up in that game. You know, uh, Sergachev plays the most minutes at 22. Hedman's 21, which is five minutes under what he's used to. Cooch and uh, Point were 17-plus, which they're over 20. So we did manage or able to manage those minutes, you know, um, in game three. Um, so now that might be beneficial to us, you know, in a back-to-back -back situation. We did get word uh, from Steve, who's monitoring the situation, John Cooper's meeting with the media, and did say Stamkos is out for tonight's game. He has not been ruled out for the series. So thank you, Steve, for, for providing that update. I wanted to ask you, Andy, Stamkos is out, but I think it's a pretty safe assumption that the guy replacing him will be a forward. Mm -hmm. Certainly could be Carter or Hagee. As the Lightning have gone back to the 12-6 and six lineup configuration, in this series, and that was something John Cooper talked about, I want to say after game two, because the Lightning had gone to that formation in game two and won game two, and he basically said, this formation works better for us in this series against this opponent than the 11-7. and seven. Why do you think that is? What about the 12-6 and six works well for the Lightning or better for the Lightning than 11-7 and seven against Dallas? Well, I, I, I think there's a couple of things. One is I think that you're now a four-line team and you can roll four lines. I think when you um, have 11, you're always trying to f figure out what that last line will look like, who's going to play on it. And, of course, you're going to run into, you know, special team situations where the lines get jumbled a little bit for John Cooper. I like the fact that you just roll four lines. I think that's what John is talking about. Um, you know, Physically, are we missing, you know, Luke Shen and, and Zach Bogosian? Um, possibly, yes. I think with the with the 7D, uh, Victor um, played with multiple pair partners, right? Um, now when you go to six, it's, it's, it's basically Jan Ruda unless you use him in other situations. So I think that's what makes it easier for John Cooper. And I think you're right. I mean, in Stamkos' case, he's, you know, I mean, if the guy didn't finish the game, it's highly unlikely that he's going to start the next one, which we now know. And I think you put in, whether it is Carter Verhage, who I thought provided, you know, even though he played like, you know, just under eight minutes, the spark, right? Like he had jump. And I think you need that. And again, it's, I'll go back to your question, Greg, is 
yeah, we still need to finish, right? And here's a guy on the fourth line that when he gets a chance to finish Klingberg or or Lindell or, or he's going to, and then he's going to do it. And by by having that that guy in the lineup, so uh, and you're you're right, Dave, that he Coop did mention that this is what works for us. us is having you know the twelve and six, and that's what they're going to go with. I would imagine. Dave Anderchuk joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. There were some rumors starting to swirl that we would see Ben Bishop. I don't know if tonight, but possibly tomorrow if that's the case. Andy, as I told Mish off the air, if you were to tell me the five biggest things that are causing the Stars to be down in this series, goaltending would be number six. I actually think Anton Udobin's played pretty well. Reasonably speaking, if Bishop were to play in this series at all, how much of an upgrade would that be considering the time he's missed and how well Udobin has played? Yeah, it, I, it, it's got to be – you've got to be 100% that he's ready to go. I, that, that, and then goaltender situation, you, you know, you don't want him out of the lineup. You want him to be ready to go. I know Bishop's been skating. I know that I, you know, I'd heard rumors that he's actually gone to Bones and said that you know he's ready to play, so I think that he's itching to play. We've seen them um, in in prior back-to-backs in these playoffs where Bish went in um, and had given Hodobin, a, you know, a break. Now that didn't turn out very well for them in the Dow in the Colorado series. Bish got pulled and has not backed up since, so he maybe had a re-injury there. So. But, you know, uh, you're right. I don't think he's been the issue. Um, he has really saved their day throughout the playoffs. He maybe hasn't done that um, in this series so far. Uh, but he's your horse. You're going to ride him. Um, you know, if you have to go back-to-back with him, you got to go back-to-back with him. That's just the way it is. And, um, you know, I think the, his only mistake in, in game one is, you know, you, and, and it is Nikita Kucherov, but you would love for him to have a big save there right off the bat, right? Like, uh, I know that we turn they turn the puck over, and I know it's Nikita Kucherov, but he still has to score, right? And and he does. He, he that's when a big player comes through at a big time. But we would if it's it's the roles reversed and it's Jamie Ben on Vasi and Vasi comes up with that big save. Wow, you get a lot of momentum from it, right? The Lightning, I would say, since the third period of Game One have been very effective at getting in on the forecheck on those Dallas defensemen. And you had mentioned, Andy, mm-hmm. how the Lightning have finished, as in finishing their checks on Klingberg, Haskinen, Lindell, etc. And it's allowed them to play with the puck a lot. And these are mobile defensemen, too. Yeah. And they just have had no time when they get the puck. They, they're they're getting checked and, and struggling to maintain possession. How have the Lightning forward group, how has the Lightning forward group been so effective at getting in on the forecheck so quickly and effectively really since the third period of game one? Yeah, those first two periods, we were bottled up in the neutral zone, right? We were trying to make plays through the neutral zone, and I think that that's the adjustment that John Cooper and his staff made moving forward. We see a lot of pucks that long, and then they indirect all the way in, and now you're on your forecheck. We're not carrying the puck. Now, we want Braden Point to carry the puck. That's an exception through the neutral zone. But I would think with all the other lines, we haven't seen much of the, you know, the the trap in the neutral zone where they, they turn the puck over at, at the far blue line. I see a lot more tipping it in. And now when you're all on the same page, you can get up ahead of steam. I know that it's getting tipped in, and I'm immediately on the forecheck. 
And I don't think the Dallas Stars have seen a team with the speed that the Lightning have and how quickly they get on top of you. And they've turned the puck over a lot. Um, and there's, and it's just justified because of the, the pressure that the Lightning have done. So I expect that to happen again is, you know, let's let's get the puck in and let's make them turn the puck over and we'll, we'll not necessarily score on the rush as much as we have in, in you know, in the past series. Dave Andrzejczyk joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Andy, you scored obviously a lot of goals in the postseason and in the regular season. When you see players like the Sagans and the Bens and the Radulovs struggle to fill the nets in this particular series, so what's the mindset? They are getting chances. Mm -hmm. Is it if you get one, you feel like the floodgates are going to open? And what do they need to do to put themselves in better positions to score? Well, I mean, that, that line has played really well for them, right? I mean, yes, maybe they've, they've struggled a little bit against us. Um, but Jamie Benn has had a, a heck of a playoffs. He's come through in big times for them. So as a, as a, as a guy that, um, you know, you're relied on to score, you get a little worried when you're not getting chances. I think when pucks are coming to you, you're getting shots on goal, you're getting looks, um, you feel like it's going to turn for you eventually. And I think that's the way that that line is feeling. I mean, and Tyler Sagan has only got two goals in the playoffs. And this is a guy they probably need to get going. And they're running out of time for him to get going. It, it, and uh, he's had some good chances too and has not, you know, buried any of them. So I think for the Dallas Stars, as I said with, with our top line, they carry the rest of the team. And right now they're looking towards Radulov and Ben and Tyler Sagan to, to, to come through for them. And that's what they're hoping to happen. But as a, as a, as a top forward, I think you get chances. You just think, i got to stick with it. i got to stick with it. I'm going to get a goal here eventually. We have talked on our show a lot about the Sorelli line, and maybe they, they needed to find another gear earlier in the playoffs. feels like they found that gear. I mean, Kalorn especially has been noticeable at – how hungry he has been on pucks and how how strong he has been when he has the puck in terms of maintaining possession. Do you feel that they've kind of found their their game and their gear here in the Stanley Cup final? I do, I do. I think we you know we were, we made a lot of them and how they had played in the first couple of rounds for sure. I thought that Johnny had his best game really. Um, you know, uh, led the team in hits. I mean, uh, he's on top of the puck. He's back to that forechecking guy that makes people turn it over, the relentless player that we've seen in the playoffs in the past. So, um, you know, I think it's a big part of them winning is that second line is able to have the puck in the offensive zone, make the other team play defense, right? Uh, we want to see that happen. Have they been on the score sheet as much? Probably not. And I'm not really concerned about that. I'm, I am uh, I am looking at them to have puck possession and to get on the forecheck, get some hits. You know, the, the, the relentless dog that uh, Anthony Sorelli is, we see that coming, right? So um, the Lightning will have to have that moving forward. Is it, you know, we've talked so much about Tampa Bay's best players having to perform. I mean, it's it's one thing to say it, but it, it's interesting, Andy, because Kucherov, Points, Hedman, and Vasilevsky all are playing well at the same time. Mm -hmm. How unusual is it to have yeah. that many star players playing that well? I think that's probably something we're missing a bit here when we talk about why the stars are having problems 
with them collectively. It's un- I think it's unusual to have that many guys play at that high level. Well, I will say that's that's the key to success, right? It's the more guys that are having great career playoff seasons is, is how that happens. It's the same as in the regular season. If you have a bunch of guys that have, you know, career years, you, you're going to have success. And that's why this team is, is where they're at. They, um, you know, when you think of the Conn Smythe and the MVP of the playoffs, man, it's going to be a tough choice because there's just so many players playing really well. I mean, I still think that Andre Vasilevsky is could be our choice if if we're fortunate enough to go on and win because he's played that well. Um, so, yeah, I, when you get a bunch of top players playing, that's the key to success. And, um, you know, again, I go back to the Dallas Stars. I know that that line has struggled, but they have been very good in the playoffs for them. You know, their, their, their defense is – uh, leads the NHL in, in points. Um, there's a reason why that they're they are where they are, and they've had success from a lot of their players. They're just not getting it in this series, and that might be the difference. Last question: What should the Lightning expect from the Stars right out of the gate? And do you think Dallas, because they're down? Do I don't I don't want to say play it safe the first five ten minutes, but are, is is there a filling out process in something like this, or do you feel like Tampa Bay's got to be ready for Dallas to be coming out guns blazing? Oh, I think they got to be ready. I think you know, um, again, I think you know if you're if you're good leadership and, and you know we know Bones, you know he's going to talk about the start. Let's get to our game first. You know, let's let's limit them chance. It's really when when you're at this point, you know, you're not trying to defend against the other team. Let's get to our game and what we are, where we're successful. Um, you you fall into a little bit of a trap. It's like, oh, let's let's not turn the puck over anymore, or let, let's not let Kucherov get any shots. I mean, I think you got to think the opposite. Is let's get to our game and what we're successful. You know, I talked earlier in the morning skate show about. Um, you know, what's the positives that Dallas takes away from game three? That's what you use going to game four. I think they had surges, right? They had some surges where they, they you know, they had some good attack. Those are the things that you got to get back to. So it'll be interesting here tonight. I, it, um, I really would think that the Lightning, the, the veteran team that they are, uh, will understand the ebbs and flows of a game and, you know, stay patient, stay, you know, calm on the bench. Ryan McDonough said it best, you know, the way that our, our team talks amongst each other and the way that, you know, nothing phases us on the bench, that's what they're going to have to have in game four and moving forward. Andy, great job as always. We appreciate the analysis and uh, enjoy tonight's game. Yep, enjoy, guys. It'll be fun. Thanks, Andy. All right, Dave Andrzejczyk there, and we always appreciate his expertise. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linnelli. Steve Ersnick is producing. We'll come back. Wrap up the show, get some tweets in, also break down this series a bit more. At Greg Linelli, at Dave Michigan, and at Bolts Radio. That's where you can hit us up on Twitter. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. So glad you're with us. Greg Linnelli, Dave Mishkin with you. You can listen to the game tonight on Lightning Power Play. We're going to start at 7 o'clock with the pregame skate show. Kaylee Chelios and Brian Burns. I'll have the network pregame show at 7.30. And then, of course, the game call, Dave Mishkin 
and the Hall of Famer Phil Esposito. Bob weighs in, Dave. He says, with rumors floating about Bishop possibly starting, would that be an improvement to stars in net? He didn't have a good game in the early round, but maybe wasn't ready. How does that impact the Bolts' game plans, if at all? Well, the stars are going to be having their press conference shortly if it's not started already. But according to social media, it sounds like Hudobin was first off the ice for their optional skate and Bishop came out late. So that would lead me and anybody else who reads the tea leaves on that to conclude Hudobin will start tonight. Does that mean that Bishop won't play, though, in the series? He could play tomorrow, and we've talked about how Bishop has come in for one of these back-to-backs that the Stars have had, and they've had two of them already in the playoffs. Bishop played in in both of those sets of back-to-backs. In other words, he started one of the games. Now, the one game that we were talking about against Colorado, he didn't make it out of the first period, but he was the starter. And then the other one in their series against Calgary, Bishop started the front end of the back-to-back, played the whole game, but was not well enough then to back up Hudobin moving forward until he came in in that Colorado series. So we could see Bishop. It's possible. He is practicing. If if what Andrew Chuck said is true, that he told Rick Bonus he's he's good to go, of course, Bones is going to wait for the training staff to confirm that, I'm sure. Sure. It's certainly possible that that Bish could come in maybe as soon as tomorrow night if they don't want Hudobin to play both ends of a back-to-back. So if Bishop comes in and if he is healthy and not limited in any way, he is one of the best puck-handling goalies in the league. And he can not only fire the puck up the ice to start a star's rush, he can also almost act as a third defenseman. And we've heard this statement about really good puck handling goalies in the past Marty Brodeur notably was was referred to often as a third defenseman for the Devils because he was so good at getting to the puck and playing it to one of his defensemen or maybe out of the zone to one of the forwards to negate the forecheck of the other team and that has been an area in which the Stars have struggled dealing with the Lightning's forecheck over the last couple of games so Bishop theoretically could help them in that regard But I I gave you a lot of hypotheticals there. Like, is he even going to be in? If he's in, is he 100%? What is his sharpness level after having sat out for such a long period of time? Those are are questions we don't have the answer to. But a healthy Bishop, the way he plays the puck, can slow down the other team's forecheck. There's no question. You know, and it's interesting because we talk about teams dealing with injuries, and you can make a case that both teams have had to deal with major injuries to star players, and Ben Bishop's certainly that for Dallas, but Steven Stamkos also, too, with Tampa Bay. And I don't know which one, um, Dave, has a bigger impact for their team if they're in the lineup. I mean, certainly my initial reaction is the goaltender because they're facing more shots. They're on the ice for the whole game. And if they're not sharp they're gonna have a long night but I told you and I I stand by this and we got into it with with uh, Andy a little bit I mean it's hard to quibble with Anton Hudobin and the way he played it's it's one of those things where you want to I think when you're analyzing this series and we want to wave that magic wand and say well look they're playing with Anton Hudobin 
Of course there is an issue in net for Dallas. Ben Bishop is an all-star. He's an elite guy when he's healthy. Vesna finalist. And of course, yes, of course that would have a major impact on this series. But when you actually take that narrative away and you look at Udobin and the numbers he's put up, as I told you before, yeah, maybe Bishop would be a little bit better. Maybe he steals a couple of those games. But if if the series pl- continues to play out this way, it's not going to be because goaltending let Dallas down. That's where I stand with the goaltending situation. Right. right. And and you know, I just talked about Bishop's ability to play the puck because he is elite in that he in is. that regard and and he is one of the top goalies in the league in that regard. So you are going to have a drop off with Hudobin in terms of playing the puck. Hudobin is is capable of playing the puck, but he's not an elite puck handling goalie. No. Very few are. No. But that's assuming that Bishop is healthy and his timing is right. But that's just one part of playing the position. So the other part of playing the position, stopping the shots that are coming your way, both the shots that you are expected to stop and pulling a rabbit out of your hat to stop the ones that if they get by you, you would say, that's not a bad goal. In other words, that's not on the goalie. And we've seen a lot of those in the series over the last couple of games, or I would say the majority of the goals the Lightning have scored in games two and three are not ones that you would say, boy, that's on Hudobin, right? Like they've been, they've been really dangerous chances. And Andy talked about it. Like Hudobin, he's given his team some saves, but he has not given his team enough saves on these really tough chances that he's had to deal with. So Andy brought up the Kucherov breakaway. It's Nikita Kucherov. He's on a breakaway. That's a tough, that's a tough hand to be dealt for the goalie, but the goalie can sometimes make the save, right? Like Kucherov still has to put it in the net. And so that's, that's the part about Hudobin so far in this series. He has not really been at fault, but he's not been able to erase the mistakes that the stars have made in front of him that have led to dangerous chances for the lightning. Super, super dangerous, like grade a chances that are tough for any goalie to stop. And then you ask the question, okay, if Bishop comes in, what is, what is his shape going to be in not physical shape, but timing shape wise, if the lightning can keep generating these kinds of chances. And that's an open-ended question. I mean, I don't know, but if they can, is Bishop going to give you more of a chance to erase those opportunities than Hudobin? I agree with you. I think Hudobin has not been at the top of the list for the Stars in terms of why they have lost these last two games. I love it when you agree with me, Dave. Makes I me agree with you. I agree myself. with you a lot more than than we disagree. And no even when we disagree, it's it's a matter of it's degrees, right? <laughs> it's right. It's a we matter deviate degrees. a little like bit. We look you know, at things I a little bit differently. We do, and that's okay. Um, I think you had mentioned this during one of the broadcasts, and I want to reiterate it before we sign off, and I obviously want to get your thoughts and our audience's thoughts at Bolts Radio. Take away the star power. I think the other reason some of us feel confident in this Lightning team this time around is because what they're getting from their role players. And I think a guy that you have mentioned needs to be looked at a little bit more for what he's done in these playoffs. And that's Alex Korn. He hasn't put up the huge point totals we've seen in previous years, but this is a guy that has 
25 career playoff goals. It's pretty impressive. He only has eight points in these playoffs. He's a minus four, which is hard to believe. But, David, feels like this whole year for Kalorn, and maybe it's because, you know, there was some uncertainty about where he was going to be after this year that's playing into this, or maybe it's just Alex Kalorn finally putting it all together this year when you talk about the total package. But you do get the feeling when he is on the ice that he is willing his team every single shift to do the right play and to play with the type of desperation that you long for in the playoffs. And it hasn't gone unnoticed, and it, it's fun to watch a guy like that. And it's one of the reasons why when we talk about role players and comparing them with these two rosters, I especially like the Lightning more because I feel like players like Kalorn not only can contribute offensively, but they're doing a lot of things correctly that is allowing them to be good defensively in these playoffs. And it's it's been fun to watch. I think we mentioned, I mean, Kalorn has popped in some important goals. Uh, that game three against Columbus, where it's 1-1, I mean, he scored the first goal of the game yeah. and, and really kind of got the Lightning going in that game. In my opinion, I know the final score was was 3-2 to two Lightning, so it was a close final. But that was the Lightning's most dominant performance in the first round. And they really carried play after the first 10 minutes, if you recall. And they kind of got going yeah. when Kalorn scored. So it's not that he has been unable to provide his team with key goals or points. And I think that he is he has been a part of this power play when it's gone well that has helped the Lightning get rolling. I believe in the blowout win against the Bruins in Game 3, he scored a big power play goal. I think it made it 4-1 after Marchand had scored to make it 3-1, so the Bruins had gotten on the board, and then Kalorn added another one later in that game. But I think this playoff year, up until the late stages of the Eastern Conference Final, had been more uneven than consistently high for Kalorn certainly based on what we have come to know and expect from him as a, a key playoff performer earlier in his career. Even in 2014, you can look at his numbers in the 2014 sweep at the hands of the Canadians. Like, he he was on the score sheet. Like, he was involved, and he was one of the lightning guys that played the best in that four-game sweep. It's clear he had a huge impact in 2015, Scored some big goals in 2016, 2018 too. And I feel like now we're seeing that guy. He just has his motor going all the time. And when he gets his motor going and he is so strong and heavy on the puck, it's it's not quite like Eddie Olchek said about Braden Point. Remember when Eddie was on with us and Eddie said a friend of his texted him and is like, when Braden Point is on the ice, does he ever not have the puck? <laughs> yeah. Which is what they, they used to describe Point. I wouldn't go that far with Kalorn, but when Kalorn is on the ice, it feels like he does have the puck a lot. And he is controlling it and making things happen in a really productive way right now. So hopefully that will continue. And if they can chip in offensively as a line, great. But even if they're just forcing the Stars to play defense without the puck, that's great, too. And, and I think that line has had a really strong series so far in the Stanley Cup final. We'll leave with this 
quote from Dan Rosen today. By the way, Dan's going to join us on Tuesday. Uh, we will be doing shows regardless of outcomes here, and uh, we're proud to do it here on Lightning Power Play. Uh, Rick Bonus said, and, and Dan had the quote, and then he had some analysis. Rick Bonus said, quote, we'll have to see what it looks like tonight, and quote, when asked if it's time to break up the top line of Sagan, Radulov, and Ben. Rosen's take is this, Dave. If they were going to be together tonight, he'd say it. Bet he uses the line blender tonight. Something to keep an eye on. Yeah, look and, and look, offense. they haven't played together as a line all playoff. I and mean, you've brought that when up. I, you've brought when that I started up, yeah. zeroing in on the Stars games, and I confess, when we had 24 teams in the bubble, I wasn't watching every minute, and the Stars were also playing Ron Robin games, so I, I don't think I watched even a second of their Wait, Ron you weren't Robin watching? Games. You don't have a life outside of this? Come on. I, I watched a fair amount of hockey, you more did. than I normally would, for sure. But if I was if I was focused, it was mostly in the East at that point. But as the Stars progressed, I did watch their games more, and certainly in the Western Conference Final, I, I was watching their games, and I saw I saw a fair amount of their their games against Colorado. And it's not like that line was a unit for for the entire playoff. In fact, I remember when it was news that he put them back together. I want to say it might have been in the Vegas series that he did that, or maybe late in the Colorado series that he put them back together. And frankly, in game three, I know Ben got the misconduct and Radulov had to leave the ice there in the third period for a bit, but I, even before that, he had mixed up that line. So, look, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he mixes them up, and maybe that's a way to get them going, and if he wants to, we can put them back together. We have certainly see the Lightning do that with great effect. John Cooper is much the same way, that if a line is not going, he's not afraid to pull the trigger and, and, and put it in a blender, put all his lines in a blender, mix it up, and if he wants to go back to it, he can. But uh, the Stars have had success having those guys play in separate lines, and, and that's probably what Bones is, is hoping for and, and looking for from those guys tonight. Blender, sandpaper. Don't you love all the words we use to describe <laughs> yeah. hockey and uh, a lot of fun doing that. Skinning a well, cat. David, <laughs> Yeah, that just, that that just always confused me. I was like, wait, wait, skinny. I have, cat. I've okay, always had whatever. cats too. I should be ashamed that I've I've even used that. As I, well, I was gonna say an you're expression. an animal lover. I, I don't have animals. Yeah, I don't have animals. But honestly, think about what we're saying here, folks. You know, there's there's different ways to skin a cat. Why are you skinning a cat? Man, <laughs> yes. whatever. Hey, that's that's for well. We've show. had the caveman talk, so maybe in we, caveman the caveman days. talk was tremendous. I I will uh, drop that in every once in a while. But it was a lot of fun today, yes. Dave. And uh, tonight's going to be even more fun at eight o'clock with the puck dropping. We hope you all can listen to the coverage starting at seven, leading into the game. And of course, we'll have the last call afterwards. And I do believe Brian Engblom will be my guest. He'll also join us on Monday show too. So nice just a little preview there as well thanks dave we will talk to you during the pregame and thanks to steve ersnick as well i am greg Linelli. thanks to uh, the captain as well dave anderchuk who joined us in the second segment we'll be with you tonight to get you set for game four tampa bay up two games to one no steven stamkos right here on lightning power play